Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. give thanks enough. Amen. We give thanks to the Lord. All right. So let's turn to the Gospel of Matthew. 
I'm glad to see that you've returned as we continue looking through chapters 24 and 25 in the Gospel of Matthew. So we're going to begin at uh, uh, chapter 24, verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. And if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, 
He would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Let's pray. Our Father in God, again we ask that you be our teacher, for you are our only teacher. Through God the Holy Spirit and to the glory of the Lord Jesus, to the benefit and the illuminating of your people, that we might understand and know what is to come. And not to keep that information to ourselves, but to share it with others, especially with those in our own families and circle of influence, that they may escape that terrible time that is coming, that they may, O Lord, be taken up into heaven. Now, Father, as we study your word, we pray that our hearts will be open, our minds receptive, illuminate our understanding by your Holy Spirit, for we pray it in the name of Jesus our Savior. Amen. Amen. And as we continue, I believe we left off last time around the third point, but we'll just quickly look at uh, the first two points. Jesus identifies things to come. And we mentioned the abomination of desolation. And there was a foreshadow of this back in B.C. 167 when a Greek Syrian ruler, Antiochus Epiphanes, went into the temple and desecrated the temple and sacrificed a pig on the altar of the, of the temple and then required, he made the, the Jewish priests to eat swine's flesh, which is forbidden uh, for the Jewish people to eat. That was a, a desolation of, of the temple, a defiling of the temple, but a foreshadow of what is to come in the future. And for that to happen in the future, it means that a, another temple must be built. And we know that a temple is going to be built there in Jerusalem. And then we mentioned Israel and the church. Uh, there was a, a theological position, and many still hold this position today, that the church replaces Israel. But that is not correct. That is not correct. The church is the church, and Israel is Israel. Now, in this age in which we live, which is referred to as the church age, it is made up of both Gentiles and Jewish people. And when you study the Bible and you know what the Bible teaches, the, the infant church, sometimes referred to, uh, to by scholars as the primitive church, the first century church was made up primarily of Jewish believers. Jesus himself was Jewish. And the disciples were Jewish. Even the Apostle Paul, although he is the Apostle to the Gentiles, he himself is Jewish or was Jewish. And so they are Christian Jews. But the church is the church. And the nation of the Israel is the nation of Israel. And God is not done with Israel. God made a promise to Abraham that through his seed, and we're going to be looking at some of that tonight over at uh, Vista Park in, in our evening service as we look at the doctrine of justification. And there in the third chapter in the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul refers to the seed, the seed of Abraham, and that, of course, is the Lord Jesus. All the nations of the world are blessed through him. 
and we've mentioned the future temple. But moving on to, to number two, the rapture of the church. And you notice that there's pre, mid, and post. And so there, there are several positions. There, there are some Christians who believe that the, the rapture, the, the, the catching away or the, the, the removal of the church from the earth will occur before the tribulation. And we're, we're talking about a, a specific seven-year period. And so those who are in the, the camp of, of what are referred to as pre-tribbers believe that this will happen before the seven-year tribulation period comes upon the earth. And by the way, it is the oldest of the positions. It goes back to the first century church and to the early church fathers of the second and, and third century as well. Then there, I'm going to skip over the mid and go to the post. Then there are the post-tribbers who believe that the church will actually go through the tribulation. Now, those who hold this position, and many people who hold this position aren't aware that, uh, that those uh, scholars or Bible uh, students who hold this position also do not believe in a literal seven-year tribulation. They say, well, it doesn't have to necessarily be seven years long. Well, then, you know, you've got to go to the book of Daniel, because Daniel talks about a specific 70-week period, and the first 69 weeks have already expired, and so the seven, the seven weeks are yet to come. You see, and, and, uh, and those seven weeks correspond to seven years. But that's a, that's a whole other discussion which would take a long time and then Eden wouldn't have time to come up here. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, perhaps on a Wednesday night we'll, we'll look at that. But they also uh, take some liberties with some other portions of Scripture. You see, the Bible is to be taken both literally and symbolically. But what many in that camp do is they say, well, we don't take it literally. We just look at things symbolically. Now, when you're interpreting the scripture, when it says something is like as, that is symbolic. Like as, or like thus. But when it is very specific and says, the Sabbath is on the seventh day of the week, what does that mean? Are we to take that symbolically, or are we to take that literally? When the Bible says God created the world in six days, and you'll often hear people misquote, and they'll say, he created the world in seven days. No, he created the world and all that is in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. Now, he rested not because he was tired, no, God doesn't get tired. The Bible says he slumbers not nor sleeps. He who watches over Israel slumbers not nor sleeps. He hallowed it and he blessed it because he created the seventh day or he blessed the seventh day and made it a day of rest for us. As Jesus told the Pharisees, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Right? So he blessed the seventh day. It's a blessing. And we're to take that literally. But see, we as Christians, in the keeping of the law, the law was kept by the Lord Jesus. 
and Jesus is our rest. Amen? And so, you know, the Seventh-day Adventists, they say, well, you're breaking the Sabbath if you don't worship on Saturday. Well, they don't keep the Sabbath either. They talk about keeping the Sabbath. They don't keep it either. Because if they drive a car, they broke the Sabbath. Because you're not supposed to, you know, use any mechanical devices, etc. And if they have to drive across town to go to church, to a service, they broke the Sabbath because you can't travel more than two miles. And you're supposed to only do that by foot. You follow? You see, they, they proclaim that they're, they're keeping the Sabbath when in fact they're not. They're really not. But the mid, the mid, the mid-trippers, they say, well, the first three and a half years of the tribulation aren't going to be as bad as the last three and a half years. And the Bible teaches that the last three and a half years are going to be horrible. So they say the church is going to be taken out in the middle. And this was a position that came into, to basically to um, provide an alternative to the pre and the post. Because the pre is real literal and the post is is uh, symbolic, etc. And so the mid-trippers came up with one to, you know, a different position. Well, in the end, you say, well, so what are we supposed to believe? Well, you remember the story of Lot and his family? You remember that story? You'll recall that Lot was Abraham's nephew. And uh, the the Lord had blessed them, and their herds were, were growing. And so they were together there in the, in the, you know, the promised land there. And, and, and the men, the, the herdsmen of both, of both families began to fuss with each other. And uh, so Lot and Abraham, they said, you know, we're too large to, to remain together. We're going to have to separate. Now, Abraham is an example of God's graciousness. So he says to his nephew Lot, he says, if you choose the north, I'll go to the south. If you choose the east, I'll go to the west. He said, the whole land is before you. Choose whatever you want. And we will go in the opposite direction. And so what did Lot choose? You remember? He looked out and he saw this verdant, you know, pasture land, Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's what he chose. And what occurred there in Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, the Bible says that they became depraved. They became so immoral that they must have looked into the future thousands of years and saw the United States of America and said what we've awakened from a dream we're all woke now anything goes anything goes everybody's doing it so it must be right yeah? to the point that the Lord had come to visit Abraham and he said, Abraham, your wife, 
Sarah is going to have a baby. Now Abraham happened to be 99 years old at the time. <laughs> 99 years old. And Sarah was in the tent. And she heard this. And she laughed a little bit. And you'll recall that the Lord said, well, why did she laugh? Oh, and she said, oh, I didn't laugh. He said, oh, yes, you did laugh. You did laugh. But according to the time of life, within that next year, Sarah gave birth. You'll recall. And Isaac was born. But there were these three that had come, one being the Lord himself, two angels. And as they got up to go down to Sodom and Gomorrah, the Lord said, Shall I keep from Abraham what is about to happen? And he told Abraham, Abraham what was going to happen in Sodom and Gomorrah. That they were going down there, basically, to bring judgment because of the wickedness of those people. And again, you see, you see the mercy or the merciful heart of Abraham. He says, but, but Lord, what if there are 50 righteous people there? Will, will you destroy this, the city for 50 righteous people? And what did the Lord say? He said, if I find 50 righteous people there, I will spare the city for the sake of the 50 righteous. And Abraham worked his way all the way down, you'll recall, to 10. And the Lord said, if I find 10, I'll spare the whole city for the sake of the 10. And when the angels came in, Lot was sitting out there in the courtyard. And the angels came in. And he took them to his house. And what happened? The men, it says the men, of the city began to, to bang on the door, etc., because they wanted those angels to come out, the Bible says, so that they could have sex with them. Because that's how depraved these people had become. Like what you see happening in the United States of America. And you have to wonder, how much longer is God going to allow this to go on? But what happened? Well, the angels struck those men with blindness, you'll recall. And then he, they told Lot, you're going to get all of your stuff together, get your family together. In the morning, you're going to leave. And in the morning, they kind of, you know, they delayed. They were reluctant to leave. The angels took them by the hand and took them out and said, do not look back. What happened to Lot's wife? The Bible says she looked back. She looked back and, and was turned to a pillar of salt. And only Lot and his two daughters escaped. Now the point here, with respect to the tribulation, the tribulation is a time of judgment. It is a time of wrath that comes upon all the world. Jesus said a time such as never was from the beginning of time even to the end of time. A specific seven-year period. A literal seven-year period. Now, do you believe that he's going to make the church go through it? Noah and his family went into the ark. And the ark was shut up. They couldn't come back out. And it, it's amazing. God brought all of the animals from all over the world to Noah. Noah didn't have to go and get those animals. 
God spoke to the animals, and the animals came to Noah and went right into the ark. And then Noah went in, the Bible says, and the Lord shut the door, and that was it. The Lord is going to take his church up out of the world, and then the tribulation will come. Now we talked about tribulation in the general sense of the word, in the general sense of the, of the term. We all know what it is to suffer. If you've lived into your 50s or 60s or your 70s, your 80s and 90s, you've, you've experienced suffering. You know what it is to suffer. And suffering comes in all different ways. But this tribulation that is coming is a time of judgment against the world. It's also referred to as Jacob's trouble or the 70th week of Daniel. Israel's future. Israel is going to be attacked by the nations of the world. At the end of this seven-year period, but before that end comes, during the middle part of this seven-year tribulation period, you see, when the church is taken out of the world, there is going to be such tremendous confusion all over the world. They're going to be looking for someone or something to bring peace. And the Bible refers to that person as the Antichrist, the man of sin, who becomes this world ruler. And sadly, various religions and religious leaders are actually going to encourage people to worship this person, to follow this person. And he enters into a, a peace treaty with the nation of Israel during the seven-year period. And as they're building their temple, but after three and a half years pass, this Antichrist, this man of sin, breaks that covenant with Israel. And Israel realizes that they have been deceived. And he, like Antiochus Epiphanes, goes into the temple of the Lord. He goes into the temple. They raise an image, an image of this person. And then people are encouraged to worship him and to acknowledge him as God. And we read that passage out of 2 Thessalonians last week. That is the abomination of desolation of which the Lord is speaking that is coming in the future. Now if the church is going to be taken out of the world, which it is, then why do we need to know all about it? Well, guess what? There are going to be people in our families in our neighborhoods, in our nations, friends, etc., who, who do not know the Lord as their Savior, and when the church is taken out, they're left here. They will be here upon the earth. But they'll also realize that they have been left behind. Now, some of them are left behind because... Christians were unwilling to share the gospel with them because they were too afraid to share the gospel. Too timid. And too concerned that they would be rejected. And those are all excuses 
that people use, well, you know, I, I, I just don't feel comfortable. When, when someone tells me that, I, I just don't feel comfortable. Yeah, I understand that, but I, I also know that it wasn't very comfortable for Jesus on that cross. You say, that's not fair. What do you mean it's not fair? He went to the cross for you. Can you not go to the cross for him? Jesus said that we are to take up our cross daily. Amen? Daily. We're to share the message of the gospel. And so, during this period of time, Israel realizes that they have been duped. And God raises up a 144,000 Jewish men. And the Bible says that they're virgins. They've never been with a woman. Just like Jeremiah, where God told Jeremiah, do not get married because bitter times are coming. 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And these 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes, 144,000 in all, preach the gospel. And the Jewish people, by the thousands, come to know the Lord Jesus as their Savior. And then, in the end, the nations of the world come up against Israel. And we're going to close with this. Turn to the book of Zechariah, please. The book of Zechariah. And chapter 14. Beginning at verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and the day of the Lord is the judgment of God, the tribulation, that time of testing that is coming. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst, for I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. You notice that? The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. The Lord will go forth and fight against those nations. As he fights in the day of battle, and in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. Because you want, you know, people say, well, when he comes back, where is he going to, where is he going to come back to? And we mentioned before, he's not coming to, you know, to the United States of America. He's coming back to Jerusalem, specifically on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north, and half of it toward the south. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley, for the mountain valley shall reach to Azael. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Thus the Lord my God will come, and all the saints with you. It shall come to pass in that day that there will be no light. The lights will diminish. It shall be one day which is known only to the Lord. Neither day nor night, but at evening time it shall happen that it will be light. And in that day it shall be that living water shall flow from Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea, uh, the Dead Sea, and half of them toward the western sea. That's the Mediterranean Sea. 
and both summer and winter it shall occur. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day it shall be, the Lord is one, and his name one. And all the land shall be turned into a plain, from Gibeah to Rimmon, south of Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be raised and inhabited in her place, from Benjamin's gate to the place of the first gate, and the corner gate, and from the tower of Hananel to the king's wine presses. The people shall dwell in it, and no longer shall there be utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited, and this will be the plague which the Lord will strike all the people who fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet, their eyes shall, be, shall dissolve in their sockets, and their tongue shall dissolve in their mouths. Consider what is, what is coming in the future. It shall come to pass in that day that a great panic from the Lord will be among them. Everyone will seize the hand of his neighbor and raise his hand against his neighbor's hand. Judah also will fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the surrounding nations shall be gathered together, gold, silver, and apparel in great abundance. Well, we're out of time. But that is coming. Are you prepared to meet the Lord as he comes? Are you prepared? And are you preparing your children and your grandchildren? You say they won't listen. Continue. But also put their name down as one that you'll pray for so that when we are a part of this crusade at the end of the year, we can go and visit them and present the gospel to them. Let's stand to our feet, please, as we sing. Where he leads me. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.